This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers. How's everybody doing today? Uh, thanks for listening and watching another live stream of the Business Storytelling Podcast. And uh, so we're actually streaming today to three platforms, Periscope, Twitter, that's the same one, honestly, if you ask me, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So if you're watching on any of those, um, feel free to leave comments. We'll try to circle back to them and answer any questions that um, that you might have. Um, today I want to talk about... Um, events. So events are an interesting topic, quite frankly. I haven't traveled anywhere. Uh, not necessarily in the mood to go anywhere today, um, if you had to, to ask me. Uh, but I have another expert on the show today um, to talk about well, how can we make our events better? What do we do with them? How do we move forward from here? Um, and and how, you know, how can virtual events suck less, quite frankly? Um, Robin Farman Farmian is today's guest. Robin, how's it going? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Um, thanks for joining me. And of course, you wrote a book on the topic and you've, you've spoken in, I don't know, dozens and dozens of co- uh, countries, uh, maybe 14, something like that. Or is that, I don't know, that number yep. seems to stick 14. Out. 14 countries, um, hundreds of uh, talks. And I assume you haven't traveled anywhere either in the last few months, right? I have never missed the airport so much in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you know what? Travel is currently not anything like how it used to be, right? Right. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous to, to see what it's kind of turned into. But yeah, I haven't been on a plane since February. Yeah, I actually traveled in June. So uh, not quite that far back. Um, but talk about virtual events. What can we do? How do we make them better? Um, I literally just recorded um, a session for Content Marketing World. And I can tell you this. It's nothing like speaking at Content Marketing World because I sent them three takes. Uh, and I said they're in chronological order. The first one, my cat jumped on my desk. And I know nobody cares anymore about those things. But it, it kind of startled me for a second. Uh, I don't know what happened on the second take. And then the third one... Uh, I, I don't remember what happened, but I sent them three takes, right? And of course, if I'm speaking, I wouldn't send anybody any takes, um, and I'm just speaking. So how, how how do we make events better? How do we move forward and, and not just have uh, webinars or YouTube um, YouTube links? I mean, essentially, that 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 is the point. Uh, you don't want to throw a, an actual virtual event that is supposedly live and then turn it into Netflix, right? Because we don't want to just sit here and watch content being streamed at us anymore if we're going to actually take part in an event, and especially if we're paying money, right? People don't pay money for content necessarily. They pay for all the other things that come along with events from the experience and even more importantly, the networking and interacting with the other participants. I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. And one thing I do have to say, I attended the Content Tech Summit earlier this year, and we have, I don't remember the company's name now, but we have one of the founders 
uh, or CEO, or I don't know if he's a founder or not, but um, they have a platform. And when you watch the shows, it says um, you can skip to the session. So if I don't want to hear the intro of Christoph talking about himself, where he grew up, I can skip ahead. If I don't, you know what I mean? If I don't want to hear about whatever. So there is some value in that, especially for the people like me who have a short attention span. But you're correct. I mean, you can't network. You can't hang out with people. You can't have a beer together. I mean, I don't know. Have you seen any of these? I know I've seen some Zoom uh, happy hours. And I mean, honestly, I don't need to hop on Zoom any more than I already do. Um, you know, whether I mean, I can have a drink here with my wife or something. But so how how do we make these virtual events work? What's your what, what tips do you have? Well, it's all about making sure your participants are seen and heard, right? Your participants, not your speakers, your participants are seen and heard, which means highlighting them. So instead of that whole model where, you know, it's only the speakers are out there on social media and that's who are talked about and, and it's all flashy. At this point now, social media posting is free. There's no reason why you shouldn't be highlighting your participants. And so those attendees that have either bought tickets or, you know, are repeat attendees and they give you permission, of course, uh, you can highlight them and say, Jane Smith is coming to our event on Saturday. She's an expert in bioinformatics and you can find more about her here. And it, what that does is it really helps set up the networking first and foremost. So other attendees are like, oh, she's someone I want to meet. And they can immediately click on her and then meet her through LinkedIn, right? But secondly, this can also help drive marketing. Let me tell you why. Because if Jane Smith is suddenly being highlighted for her work in bioinformatics in front of a crowd of people who are potentially her customers, partners, investors, um, you know, and any of the corporate, like, um, yeah, big partnerships are already in the audience, right? And so if she's being highlighted to the exact kind of people she wants to meet, then you've got, say, John Smith down the street, and he's like, I want to meet those people. I want to be highlighted. And so that gives them more incentive to actually go and buy a ticket. <laughs> well, and, you know, and we know when we get mentioned, uh, we share it, right? I mean, very rarely if I get mentioned somewhere, I won't share it. I mean, it's it happens every once in a while when the production was really terrible or something. But but usually, I mean, usually it's not the case. So I like the idea of highlighting the, the attendees. But and, and that's a good thing for marketing. And, and here's the thing. I will tell you this, guys. I will still attend Content Marketing World. Uh, I don't know if this is going to publish on the podcast channels before Content Marketing World. But the live streams obviously are. Uh, Trap 100 gets you $100 off. And I'm still planning on learning because I learn from other speakers there as well. But I don't know, Robin, how will we make conferences that are virtual? How does the, um, the social aspect, how does it work? I mean, there's no cocktail hours. There's no, hey, let's go sit over here. Let's talk about whatever. I know we can connect on Twitter, but I can connect on Twitter any day. I don't need to go to a conference to do that especially if we're not there. So how do we make that social aspect um, better? Mm -hmm. So that comes back to my what's called my 60-40 rule of virtual events. 60% content, 40% and interaction. And so have your speakers do 10, 20, maybe 30 minutes, and that's only if they're maybe your top professional speakers, but really 10 and 20-minute 20 long, 20 long keynotes, and then the rest of the time is going to be Q&A. 
right? And so when you're doing Q&A, uh, imagine you have 500 attendees and it's on a Zoom type platform. What they can do is they can ask questions in the chat. And so you have a team looking at the chat. The team highlights something for the speaker to call out. Um, you know, Chris over there has a great question. The speaker can say, hey, Chris, why don't you come on video and ask your question? Because you already know the question because he's put it in the chat. And this way, all of a sudden, the participant is on video telling a very specific question that's been pre-vetted a few minutes before by the team. And that participant is seen and heard. Let me tell you, when I do this, um, like there's a marketing uh, genius network and uh, has this uh, every couple of weeks, a marketing kind of interactivity session where they just go on Zoom and anyone who wants to can come and join. Every time uh, I ask a question in the chat and then I'm put on video for even 20 seconds, I've got like 15 LinkedIn invitations waiting for me from people saying, Robin, I love what you said. Um, why don't we jump on a call? Right. And so it really forces that networking. And, you know, and then they don't sell to you. They're trying to connect. I mean, have you noticed that recently? Everybody's now selling on LinkedIn. And it's really, in my opinion, has gotten out of hand. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the thing the other day. Somebody put a beer class in front of their first name to test who is automating their messages. So now it says, dear beer glass, as opposed to their first name. Um, so hopefully, hopefully those requests are meaningful. Um, I still think, I mean, it, it is a struggle for sure. One thing really quickly, um, you've seen uh, Robin's book pop up here every once in a while. Um, ctrap.online forward slash Robin, if you want to check that out, that, that sends you right over to Amazon. Much, much easier URL, obviously, than, um, than giving you that Amazon link. Um, how about for speakers? I mean, I, so honestly, when I, I'm recording episodes or not episodes but when i'm recording these keynotes or whatever you know i mean it doesn't feel the same right i mean i barely get dressed up i mean i'm you know i'm wearing a polo here you can't see what i'm wearing anyways uh i don't have to worry about my head my my uh, hair too much as you can tell and so how do you know how do speakers adjust especially like the the high um energy speakers you know i'm thinking like marcus sheridan who is out there high-fiving people and between people and all this stuff. And I do that to an extent too, but you can't do that when you're online, even if you're live, right? So how do you, in that 60%, how do you make that experience better? So of course, I mean, this is a new normal. You've got to rethink how you are, what, what your goal is, right? So his goal with jumping up and giving high fives is really engaging the audience, right? It's not to give high fives, it is a tool. And so thinking about that, um, I've got a couple of keynotes coming up where I'm going to pop up surveys or polls during my talk, right? And so then I can reveal the answers to the poll at the end. And so they felt like they've actually participated in driving the content at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, but other than polls, you really, I mean, I'm just, so when you were talking, I'm thinking, I, I, I'm trying to remember his name now, and I can't remember his name to save my life, but uh, he was the CMO with the Phoenix Suns, I believe. Uh, and we were both speaking at a conference in Germany. It was mostly soccer executives there. And he made them do the wave you know, like from front to back. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. People were yep. super engaged. Like, how do you, I, I mean, people can't take a survey. I get it. I do that too. 
But I honestly, when I'm, I know it's not a webinar, but I'm going to compare it to it. When I'm watching a webinar, I'll hop on my office treadmill. I walk and I listen. And, you know, if I have anything, uh, if I have a question, I might ask it. But I don't hop off the, I don't hop off the, the treadmill to tell them how long I've been in marketing or to tell them anything, right? Like it has to be a real good thing for me to do that. Um, so how, I mean, what other tips do we have for people to make it engaging? So um, what I like to do is breakout sessions. And going back to that 60-40 rule. So you can have your, say, a 10-minute or 15-minute keynote, do 10 minutes of QA where the participants are called out by name so that they are recognized, which will drive more engagement later on. And then most of the software now, and there's over 140 that I am aware of in the world of like event software, um, including Zoom, all of them um, usually have the ability for breakout rooms. And so that would be um, intentionally forcing people to network, right? So you could have a limited to maybe 10 people and it would be that type of Zoom interactivity where everyone is all of a sudden on video with their group. And uh, Genius Network, who I mentioned earlier, does this really well both in person and in their virtual events. And so for their normal year-long type of uh, virtual uh, in-person events, it's $25,000 a person, and they switched over to the virtual world and seamlessly and are still selling tickets at $25,000 a person because people are actually getting that kind of a value out of his virtual events. Let me tell you what he does. He does these exact 10-minute talks. He has what's called a hot seat, so he all of a sudden will call out an audience uh, member who he knows and or knows you know has done something recently that they can talk about. And there is, of course, that 10 to 15 minutes Q&A after the talk. And then immediately everyone just goes into these breakout rooms and it's seamless and everyone is pre-assigned. And it's usually about six people and they interact and they go over a worksheet to really assimilate and start to um, you know, apply the learning that they got from that 10 minute talk plus the discussion. Everyone wants to move their content from happening to performing, and it's possible. Check out my latest book with the latest tips and tricks and advice on how to establish that content performance culture. It's possible. The book is available at contentperformance.online. Yeah, and that's actually something I honestly hadn't thought about. So, uh, of course, when I do like a workshop in, in person, right, I give the group something to do now you talk about it how would you handle that i mean that's like you have to when you're doing like a three-hour workshop or even a two-hour workshop right and so that's interesting i hadn't thought about that you break it out um where does zoom fatigue not to pick on zoom but you know where does that kind of thing come in i know WordCamp uh usa uh canceled this year for example and they said um, we're not even going to do this online because everybody is tired. Everybody is fatigued of going to online meetings. Um, so does that come in or, or how do you how do you feel about that phenomenon happening out there? Well, they are exhausted from going to Zoom meetings with things like their colleagues when it could have been an email, right? Or just having to constantly be on video in a work situation. An event 
whether it's virtual or in person, needs to serve both things like their networking, um, it needs to educate them, and importantly, it needs to entertain them. So going to a virtual event should not be fatigue inducing necessarily, it should be delivered in a way and given content in a way and that interactive component in a way where they come away energized. And that's much different than just being on a Zoom for 10 hours straight. They don't necessarily need to be on video that whole time because when the content is playing with the speakers up, they don't, they're not necessarily on video. They don't have to. I mean, don't get me going on 80 people on a Zoom meeting having to be on video. What's the point of, right? I mean, what's the point of having uh, 80 little pictures or even 20, like if they're not talking? Um, so maybe that is the difference. Maybe that is uh, how you can make it more engaging. How do you get that message across before you start? I mean, I, I know everybody's going to say our event is just moving online. We're still going to be engaging. But show, don't tell. What tips do you have for a conference um, to, to bring across how they're going to do things differently? And here's the other thing. Before you answer that, I'll be, I'll be quite honest. When I actually attended a conference or I was going to and they explained to me what they were going to do, which sounds somewhat similar in theory what you were talking about, I just thought it was super confusing. There was like eight rooms and go to this track and go to that track and then this is over here and that's over there and I couldn't remember where here and there it was when it was actually time to do it and there were no emails. Uh, so, so what are some tips to make this easier on the attendee side of things? So I would think about not doing a huge number of breakout sessions that they have to choose. Right. So there's a big difference between putting people into a discussion group automatically and a different one. You know, you do that four times a day. People are going to meet 40 different people if it's groups of 10, um, but not making them choose because that does get confusing. And so uh, with everything else, whether it's a consumer product or an event, a service, uh, you need to meet and exceed customer expectations. Right. So set those expectations, give them a simple, um, you know, this is the schedule. These are the times you're going to be on video and interacting. Right. These are the times that are the perfect times for networking. Really lay that out. And, and uh, especially for a lot of the women, because I can tell you as a curly haired woman, I wake up in the morning and I look crazy. Right. Um, and so I want to know when I'm going to be on video so I can make sure that I don't look like I'm a crazy person that lives in the woods, right? Because I've got crazy hair. Um, and so really making sure that your participants know exactly what you're going to do, exactly what is expected of them, and what that experience is going to be. So what's interesting about that comment about, um, I probably wasn't going to think about it had you not brought it up, but um, you, you know, people who want to, um, you know, I don't know, fix themselves up, I guess, for lack of a better term, when they go on camera. And that's something I've learned because it does not come natural to me, quite frankly, right? You can see. You don't wear, yeah, you don't wear makeup and I, you don't have actually, hair to do. Robin, actually, I do have makeup right here. So when my light is too bright, so now I figure out where to put the light, but if it's really too, you know, it's shiny on my, uh, my bald head, I do sometimes put that on. So there you go. I do have uh, makeup, but in general, I, it doesn't take me very long, whether I'm on video or not, right, to get ready. I don't have any 
care anyways. Um, but whenever I do a podcast recording and I know the technology isn't going to work for video, I do, especially when it's a female guest, I do message them, you know, a good 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 time in advance to, to let them know. And sometimes they even write back, oh, good, they don't have to put on makeup today or whatever. But I don't think about that, right? It doesn't come natural yeah. to me um, to even uh, to even consider that. Absolutely. Um, what, the new normal, right? I mean, I hate that term. I use it too. But, but at the end of the day, it's, it's going to change again at some point, right? I mean, we're yeah. not going to live like this forever. What's your prediction? How soon? What's going to change? How is it going to evolve down the road? So I believe that hybrid and virtual events are definitely here to stay. Now, um, things like virtual events or, uh, you know, if you want to have that global audience of people that necess couldn't necessarily all travel or you want an audience of, you know, 40,000 people, you can't have that usually in, in one place, uh, even after we get a vaccine. Uh, once we get a vaccine on the market and we start to see the hospitalization rates going down even more or the death rates going down even more, I think that's when the the in-person event world will open back up with a vengeance um but it will stay hybrid because all of a sudden we do all have these new audiences like i've got one coming up for chime and it would typically be about like 1100 or 1200 hospital ctos and cios and now they realize well now that we're making it virtual uh, they can open it up to all of their teams. And so it's going to be actually significantly more people from each hospital system and healthcare system attending. So the attendees, it could get up to two, three, or 4,000 people. And so keeping that audience while still having um, the in-person is fantastic. So they could go back to having, you know, 1,000 or 1,100 hospital CTOs in the room at a hybrid event in 2021, but also stream all of that to their new audience. Well, I, I'm not opposed to that idea, but I personally love the travel. You know, I, I'm still booked to speak at Des Madrid next year. And, and I am literally, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe you still have to wear a mask and it's not going to be a, as much fun as I think it will be. But I love traveling over there. You know, you, 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 uh, it's a fun trip. And then you see Madrid, you know, you can go see other places in Europe. So I like the travel part of it as well. I mean, I, I hopefully that's still um, that's still a thing. Um, oh, absolutely, that will come back. A hundred percent, that will definitely come back. People love that in-person networking. You that while there is a lot of tips and tricks in my book, nothing will ever take the place. Until, well, I can't say ever because virtual reality might be pretty done good but um it's very difficult right now to take the place of that in-person bonding and that in-person networking and the other thing too is depending on what the conference is i mean i'm thinking of some of the conferences i've attended where you know and i'm, I'm not a big fan of being sold to quite frankly but some conferences i've attended over the years they have physical products right like you literally have to go and check them out and and, and touch them and see yes so how do you do that if you're not uh, on site? No, um, that, I mean, that's what it is. So I'm curious, actually, I'm watching uh, to see what CES does, because a lot of that is that hands out on interactive um, component with consumer electronics. 
uh, especially like the big things like the cars, right? So uh, that that is going to be kind of interesting. Again, it could be done really well in virtual reality, but the the fact is, most of us, not even me, and I work in virtual reality. I don't even have a, a high end headset right now. <laughs> no, I got like a nineteen ninety nine dollar headset. <laughs> um something something like oh i that. thought you meant year 1999 i was like no. what do you mean the like 3d glasses <laughs> no like 19 dollars. it wasn't very maybe 24.95 or something like that um so yeah definitely not high end but <clears throat> plus that that technology still has a long ways to go and and i've written about that a number of times on the authentic storytelling uh blog uh, i like the technology but it's so limited quite frankly there isn't enough content out there. Um, it's also, a, it's kind of, um, you can't multitask, right? So if I'm putting on a headset and I grab it, but it's upstairs, uh, I, I can't do anything else, right? Like, and I think a lot of people, uh, the content needs to be really, really engaging for somebody to put on a headset and actually pay attention to only the headset and not check their email and not check Twitter and not see how many people are watching on all the different channels, you know? I mean, don't you think so? So that's not going to be an issue. Um, so I, I did, I, I filed a provisional patent around like a new type of virtual reality glasses last year. Um, I'm about five years ahead of my time though, because it used nanotechnology. Um, but the way virtual reality will happen over the next five to maybe eight years is it will become much more real. And if you've only tried the 1995 version, the really high-end stuff, the Oculus um, and the HTC Vive, are, um, it, it puts you into a whole different world. And uh, I work in this is um, with MindMaze. I'm an advisor to the founder there. And they're doing virtual reality for stroke and brain injury rehabilitation, which retrains the brain on how to move, say, a limb, like an arm. Um, it's really just so immersive that you'll be able to multitask inside of there, right? Because the computing power will exist in the next few years, right? Uh, where you will be able to check your email in virtual reality at the same time that you feel like you're sitting in an auditorium in Vancouver, at the same time that it feels like your best friend is sitting right next to you and you've got things in stereo. So your best friend is talking to you over here, you hear the crowd on this side, and at the same time you're checking email. That's, that's not going to be a problem. It sounds terrible, but I can't wait. You know what I mean? I mean, so how much how much is this kind of stuff going to cost, you know? Like what's the what's an estimate, I guess? Like with estimate? everything, with everything. So when VCRs came out and when televisions came out, they were only for the the wealthiest people out there, right? And now you can't give away a TV. Like I had a TV, I literally gave it away. This big TV cuz I'm like I don't even need it anymore. You know, when you bought a, but even 10 or 15 years ago, those were 600 to a thousand dollars. So it, like every other technology, it will start out very high end. And we even saw that, like, you know, when, um, Oculus first launched, it was over a thousand dollars and it's already dropped significantly in price. And the more companies that get into this and the faster that we have computers, so computing power, of course, um, and data storage are a big component. And the AI component of virtual reality is huge, and that is getting exponentially better every single year. And so the price will drop significantly. It is going to be no big deal for 
anyone who can afford a smartphone and a normal laptop computer or, or an iPad will also be able to easily have a pair of VR glasses. It's going to be interesting to see how it evolves. Um, why? So the one thing that I don't understand, quite frankly, is why don't more conferences, even in the good times, or it is kind of the bad times right now, but even in the good times, why don't they live stream everything anyways? I mean, why don't they find a way to draw on that audience? Do you know what I mean? Like some, uh, the Because it's hard. It's not hard easy. It? What's, what's hard so first of all, when you've got a live in-person event, it, there is a lot going on. So most of the time, uh, your margins are quite small. It's very expensive to put on, uh, you know, a nice event, a high-end event. And so you've already got an AV team. And AV is one of the hardest parts of the actual live performance part of the event. And so when you're already making it very complicated with a lot of speakers, um, all these things are coming at you from the catering to, you know, constantly participants want something or need something or a speaker got sick. There's just so much going on with an event that adding in that live stream component um, adds more stress and more uh, essentially tasks to that, that core event team. And as I said, usually they are overwhelmed and it's very small. Now, if you have something like TED, where you have a huge, um, you know, AV team, and you have as many people working for you as you need, because you can hire them because you have the money, because they sell their tickets, I think at 10000 and $25,000 a person with a lot of sponsorship, then it's no problem. If you can get the amount of people at, that are expert at it and know how to do it, and then also can have it on the, you know, social media channels, and you've got your team that's talking it up on their social media channels and, and really answering things then yes, it's easy to do, but it's it's not easy to do if you've just got your normal, regular event team. And I'm glad you said it and I didn't say it because everybody always tells me how easy content is and everything is easy. Live streaming is easy. It only takes me five minutes to are, read. Why did it take you five minutes to write it, you know? it Are these people who don't actually create content themselves uh, or put on events? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> you know, these are like executives and and people like that, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, you, you, totally get it, totally agree with you. Everything takes time. Uh, really quickly, uh, shout out to Switcher Studio, that's who, who we were using here to live stream this trap. One gets you one month off if you wanna try it. We have this wonderful dashboard, all the graphics, the book, everything, the thing at the bottom, uh, that's all produced on my iPad. So talk about technology evolving. Uh, this is actually really cool. I, I've not I've not seen this with the live streams before. This is actually a really cool setup. Yep. So uh, uh, Switcher does that, and then I have it tied into Restream, which is pushing it to all the different channels. And I think you can do up to thirty channels to do that. Um, so it, it works pretty well once you get used to it. You know, once I mean, at the beginning, you have to put all these buttons, and you're on the right side, I'm on the wrong side, you're on the left side. It's, it's a little bit of a struggle, but uh, please give it a try. And of course, things do take time. Um, when will we get back to more normal events from um, years past, I guess, or, or before COVID? Any idea? What's your, um, what's your prediction time-wise? It will, it will be after a vaccine. 
uh, a vaccine or, or an effective treatment that helps prevent people who are, um, who are at, at risk, the high risk factors, whether that's age or immunosuppression, um, uh, we can save their lives. So it really just comes down to the medical breakthroughs, the meds. Well, and that's supposed to be October. No, we're not going to get into no. politics. I, I bet no. you that's going to be maybe sometime next year at the very earliest. Um, but yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can make the best out of virtual events. Uh, Robin, fantastic insights. Any other um, final tips that I didn't ask you about that are worth sharing for event planners Ooh. and also attendees? Yes. Think about sending your participants. If you guys have the money, and this is a great sponsor type opportunity, um, send them boxes in the mail. You know, the swag bags that you normally get at an in-person event. A lot of the time I'll leave mine in the hotel by accident or on the show, you know, on the trade room floor when I'm talking to startups and I'll put it down and then I lose it and I forget it. But the point is, a lot of the time, it doesn't make it home with me, right? Which is the point if you have sponsored swag bags. And so what you can do now, and there's uh, companies that do this. One I like a lot is the Custom Box Agency. And what they do is they design this beautiful box. Like on the outside, it puts all the speakers. It's high gloss. Um, it, you know, it's highly branded. And then you open up the box, and that's what's mailed, right? And then you open up the box, and it has whatever you want, right? Whether it's baseball caps or T-shirts with the name of the conference or the sponsor and pens, pencils. You can put workbooks in there. But then you can also put interactive tools. So imagine you have a paddle, and everyone gets a paddle that on one side it says, uh, like on this side it says yes, and on this side it says no. And so um, they can vote. Like, say you've got that 30 or 80 people over Zoom, you can ask them a question and all of them can hold up the right paddle. And then all of a sudden you can see Zoom where it's like all green on this side and all red on this side with everyone holding up the paddle that they're voting on, right? But really adding in that interactive component where they have that physical thing that they play with during the virtual event, but in addition, sponsors, this way, you know, you keep the box because it's so beautiful. You keep the mug with the sponsor's name on it and you use it, you know, all the time. And then maybe you throw the workbook into the corner and you end up seeing it every single day for the next two years. That is a sponsor's dream, right? So we are going to have a show uh, talking about swag. Uh, and, and I have mixed feelings about swag. We haven't recorded it yet. I think it's coming up here. Uh, maybe late October, um, early November uh, when it's publishing. But um, send stuff that's useful. And, uh, you know, a couple ideas, um, by the way, really quickly. Uh, I attended this um, big expo um, and it was outside because it's construction equipment. And one um, vendor had a hat and I didn't wear a hat, right? And, but it was super hot out. So guess what? I wore that hat all day, all day long. Uh, and same thing, you know, uh, the example I keep giving is Casey, Casey Cheshire and the West Waters, and let's see who else, uh, Adweek, uh, A-D-W-E-A-K. Uh, we had him on, on the show talking about his Twitter account. They all sent me books. And every time, so currently they hold up the iPad, uh, but every time I'm on somebody's podcast and they say, hey, what books would you recommend? And guess what books I recommend? The three in front of me just because yep. they're there. Sometimes I even hold them up. 
And I told them that. I said, just because you send that to me, I keep mentioning them because I'm like, because do you know what I mean? Because I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, which one did I just read? It's on my Kindle, which I can't look at. So it's top of mind. So send people stuff they can use. Um, yep. Fan fantastic idea. Robin, thank you so much for joining us. Um, very insightful. Really appreciate you um, telling us about making virtual events better. Sure. Thank you for having me. You bet. And check out Robin's book. Of course, you can see the URL there on the live stream, ctrap.online forward slash Robin. Uh, if you are listening on the podcast channels, um, make sure you connect with me, ctrap.online forward slash LinkedIn to get um, future broadcast notifications. Thanks everyone for listening. Until next time. help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com.